All right. Hey, welcome back. Sorry, we had a false start there, um, but we are indeed live. <laughs> All right. Um, just get right into it. Yeah, it's really difficult to go on two different computers. I have two different mice, two different everything. Um, but yeah, that's whatever. Um, so I guess let's introduce ourselves um, here. We'll start from the top again. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm Skid, also known as Mr. Kitten. I'm a Rails developer with an interest in InfoSec. What's up? Hey. Um, interpreter is our listener, so they aren't speaking. Guess it's me. I'm Cozy Bear. I'm a penetration tester. Um, kind of new here, so you know, I'm excited to be here and see what's going on. Ricky! Hey, Rick, bud. You can introduce him. Yeah, so uh, actually, um, well, Toby, do you want to say who Ricky is? Uh, yeah, Ricky is a uh, uh, recruiter in Australia for uh, InfoSec, and um, he actually turns up to cons and, and does cool stuff as opposed to just try and put uh, people into roles. So uh, we got him on, hopefully, because uh, he knows how to find the right people for the right jobs. Hell yeah. Oh, and I guess uh, that's me. I'm, I'm Toby from HR. And uh, yeah, I make everything not fun. And you're here to protect the company. <laughs> so, Jonathan. Oh, me? Yeah, I'm just a douchebag. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Yeah, you gotta be uh, pretty honest, you know. Oh, cow. Oh, hey guys. Up. Uh, I'm a cow. I'm just lurking. Sure. Hey, I'm MG, the uh, generalist. It's not Dan. Uh, slightly drunk. Faith, uh, very sober penetration tester. Um, looking down my nose at all of you people. <laughs> hey, this is Read Me, uh, coming at you from the middle of fucking nowhere right now. And uh, I'm here with my boy uh, Taco. He's a signals intelligence guy. We're way deep out in the woods. <laughs> so I probably won't talk too much. Solid. Yep, solid muted. Oh well. Good work. Solid's here. Oh, he left. Well, he'll be back. Solid is here though. Hey, uh, security researcher. You. Security company. Yeah. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little robotic. Um, yeah, that's me. I'm you. So that's it. Zodiac. I'm not sure if you can hear us right now, but Cybersex Two from the Many Hats Club is here. Uh, I am. I am here. I was on mute. Uh, just uh, I was doing some work. I am here. It's like two thirty a.m. over here, and I'm surprised I'm still awake. But I'm happy to be here. 
Uh, so I'm Cybersex Jew. I'm one of the owners of the Many Hats Club. Uh, I hosted you guys a little while ago. Um, yep. I'm actually also an ex-recruiter as well, turned into uh, Cybersec Pro, uh, Infosec Pro. So um, I could probably shed some light on this as well from both pers- pers- perspectives, really. Awesome. Welcome. We're very excited to have you. Um, so yeah, today topic of today's show is getting a job. So getting a job is something that we in the sort of hacker community, infosec community, and just even tech generals community tend to see a lot of people have issues with. And it, it could be somebody who's senior or somebody who is who is very new to the whole thing and the same issues with. What? None, none. Okay. Um, so there's like there's there, I guess there's different issues um, that we see all over the place that people you know trying to break into stuff or try to get more um, you know bigger positions and and sometimes they they just have issues in, in actually getting getting into them and so I think that we're gonna kind of just do more of a general discussion about stuff and answer a lot of audience questions and then we're gonna also try to do some talking to um, recruiters and people who are involved in actually um, getting people jobs and try to see if anybody in our Twitch chat has any questions for these people. So uh, yeah, feel free to ask questions throughout the show and we'll compile them and answer them when we can. Um, but we'll start doing that at around 10.30ish, probably a little bit earlier, unless we end up talking about GitHub a lot. <laughs> um, what happened yeah. with GitHub? Oh, just a little thing. We'll save it for oh. the last uh, part of the, the show. The last part of the new segment here. But yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into it, I guess, um, with our... Actually, you just tweeted this out, not Dan. I, uh, this was the My Heritage. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it basically there's... Uh, how many is it? Like 92 million account details from this, uh, this genealogy site? Yeah, just a few, you know. Oh, is no my sperm out in the open now? It has been appropriated to the internet. Jonathan, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this is, I mean, that's a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly sure what sort of, so this is, they haven't, you know, accessed the MyHeritage accounts themselves. Um, but what's weird to me is that they they don't just have, like, your password. They have your actual DNA. And that's that's what freaks me out a little bit about this whole thing is that, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't just give out my DNA to people. I don't know. Um, and it's just, it's kind of scary to think of what the implications could be if somebody was trying to do something really weird with that. Yeah. Especially process DNA, right? Like, I mean, we leave DNA all over the place just by living, right? Like hair falls off and stuff, but so you processed it in like selected markers and things. And then you have a DNA profile done of somebody and that gets stolen. I mean, Go ahead and just recal- refactor your DNA, and uh, you'll be all set. Which also, what's the ownership, the legal ownership of DNA? Like, do you own your own DNA, or is it like? Fuck yeah, I do. But is I don't there, know like, about potential that. For, like, Can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> is there you don't own your own fingerprints. Yeah, I, I think I think they probably in the U.S. it, it would be treated like a uh, garbage law. Right, so if you throw garbage out and put it out to your curb, that is now not your property. That's... Yeah, if you spit or sneeze into a towel or a paper towel or tissue or something and, and throw that away, 
pretty much the same sort of stuff they glean from these uh these DNA processing websites use. They use like bodily fluids. So if you're just throwing away bodily fluids, I mean anybody could realistically, with the right equipment, go into your trash, grab some tissues, and start harvesting your DNA. Uh, which is cool. Yay! But, I mean, like, you, you don't you don't think about it like that. You're like, all right, yeah, you want them to use tissues, like whatever. But then you think about it like, what sort of weird profile are you building out of that? I know the Golden State Killer, they, they got his DNA from his door when he went into the Hobby Lobby. They were waiting in the parking lot, and they, like, wiped his door handle. That's so fucked up. Yeah, that's that's the kind of, like, thing I was directing the tweet at, really, is that, was, that wasn't that was him going on the, the genealogy website and submitting his DNA. One of his far relatives did it, and they did a DNA workup, and the police somehow just worked with whoever i don't even remember which company gave the info away but it was like a couple steps removed and yet it, they still got him like pretty pretty nasty stuff it's yeah similar to um like ancestry websites as well it's like oh yeah just submit your entire ancestry um and then like one of your relatives does it and then all of a sudden like your birth certificate and stuff belongs to some private company yeah i mean basically the ancestry sites you're dry snitching don't do it but to me, oh, that's a grandma. I say it's, it's scary when you when you look at some of the DNA stuff because I mean there was a an article in BBC I think it was a while ago like 2015 where they reconstructed the face of someone just through DNA. Really? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll post it in the in the voiceless channel. But you know, it's one of those things where you know you're uploading that to who knows where, or sharing it with who knows. Who and you know they can reconstruct what you potentially look like. Yeah, I think it'll take it'll take like one or two really good uh, biometric uh, dumps to happen before people start caring about it. Because I don't think anybody gives a fuck right now, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, who do you sell it to? The Mormon Church. I mean, nation states usually, right? They're definitely interested. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to take because you only you only get a like my understanding is you only have a small part of the DNA sequence and then you put it into a sequencer which is a series of like loose proteins in like a solution and heats it up and cools it down repeatedly for like a long period of time to build that DNA chain back close enough you can you can compare it so. I guess this is the difference with like leaving your DNA around and having this done because it's already been like not only your entire chain has been se- like been rebuilt, but it's also been sequenced and and it's you know that for markers and stuff like that. That reminds me of this movie, the Gattaca movie. You guys seen that? Oh yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Um, but I mean, like, it seemed so far fetched when I first saw it. I'm like, okay, well. That's a crazy dystopia, but that'll never happen. But now it's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I, we studied that in school, that movie. I feel, old. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this, though, is that really disconcerting is that we're going to have, you know, we have this advanced technology to do these things like building the face of somebody from their DNA, but we still don't have the technology to somehow i guess i don't know parameterize sql queries or something it just it seems like we're we're shooting far ahead but we still don't we're not like we're enabling a bunch of weird stuff to happen but we're not having those security uh, 
things That's actually such a solid point. <laughs> That's such yeah. an amazing point. <laughs> it's kind of so, like how we were able to uh, drop Unix on Japan, but um, like you know, the technology was way too far ahead. You know, to, and, and then they used it, and we're like, oh shit, let's never do that again. Yeah, and with a policy. Well, we clearly have learned our lesson at least, so that's good. I mean, yeah, we're not not putting the carpet on <laughs> the horse anymore. We've learned our lesson with Hiroshima. Things are good. Yeah, but we haven't learned a lesson with digitalizing biometric data, right, or DNA data. Um, as soon as you know, you, one thing you can, you can't change. You know, you're if you start thinking about uh, iris biometrics or something like that, you can't change your iris. You can't. You can. You can burn your fingerprints, but a certain biometric data or DNA data you can't change. As soon as that's gone, uh, it's it's bad. You know, it can be reused, especially if it's, it's digitalized. There's really no way out from that one, too. Like the DNA is the last straw. Like like you said, you can you can mess with your fingerprints. You can you can kind of maybe do something for the other stuff. DNA though, nope. <laughs> well, the, that's the a last straw with... right? What would you say? That's the last line of defense, your DNA, basically. You know, you've yeah. got to, that's the one thing you've got to protect and not give to anyone, apart from, you know, as much as you can. Yeah. It, it'll be normalized, though. Um, it'll be voluntary, like we have with a 23andMe. Oh, I'm, I'm interested. And then you can, you can escalate that. And like, oh, I can, I can contribute and maybe help some cause, like, you know, research or, you know, find the cure to cancer. Slowly escalate, oh, we'll find missing persons. Eventually, you can kind of jump it up to uh, optional opt-in to maybe get your insurance reduced uh, if you can you know, prove you're extra healthy from a genetic level, and it just escalates. All uh, privately done and opt-in. Yeah, it says a scary precedent. Right now, it's just uh, it's finding murderers, right? Like we're finding really bad people that you can't really defend, but. When does it start going down to you? Well, you were jaywalking and we swabbed the uh, thing, grabbed your DNA from it. Here's your fine. In fact, in the UK, they're starting to do that more, though, right? DNA yeah. DNA tests for uh, drug driving, right? So mouth swabs oh, to yeah, they... DNA tests, drug driving, uh, when it's suspected. But it's suspected, right? So what do they do with that data? How do they process it? Once it's on record, it's on record, right? And then and how, many, mm -hmm. how, how many times is that data shared with third parties or fourth parties? And then how do they start controlling it? So I, I think it's going to become more commonplace as, as time moves on. Uh, health insurance companies, for example, there's lots of these health insurance companies that give you all these extra bonuses uh, for making you wear Fitbits, but it's not too long before they start testing you for DNA to see how healthy you actually are, uh, and then that actually give you better premiums and better benefits. So I, I don't think we're that far away from DNA being freely given away like we give away our data, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it'll be the, the people who... Uh, have their genetic superiority don't have to pay much and you know if you if you're genetically inferior you're gonna pay a whole lot more it's literally oh. eugenics <laughs> like just so we all are <laughs> on the same page here people it's eugenics <laughs> that was kind of what was discussed in the movie gotta go like people uh like without giving away spoilers like up people lesser because they're not genetically superior yeah if you haven't watched it go watch that movie it's pretty solid 
All right, before we go um, deep and deep into the rabbit hole, maybe we should move on a little bit, just because then we can talk about DNA harvesting all day. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Say one last thing on that. One point on the my heritage thing is, I believe uh, genie.com, which is genealogy specifically, um, minus the the genetic uh, testing aspect. Uh, just using public records and stuff, but uh, that site uh, is seems to be heavily integrated with it. So I'm very curious whether or not uh, Genie customers were also impacted by this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Probably. Also, there's been a bunch of companies as well that say they do DNA tests, a uh, DNA sequencing, who who lie. So that's they just make it up. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just send you out whatever. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I, I can respect that grift. Um, all right, so the next the next thing in our show notes, which by the way, I will repost the show notes in our group chat or voiceless voice, just in case people don't have it. So the next one I thought was pretty cool. Um, did you guys see the thing about CSS uh, being used to de-anonymize de Facebook users? Nice. Um, this isn't really that new. Like it's kind oh. of. Sorry, what are you saying? Yeah, like there's there's already been like. Uh, I mean, not not exactly to this extent where they're using like previously using um, you know, unique images or unique some some kind of unique value being read from from uh, CSS and then uh, like so like the CSS keylogger for example. Yes, yeah, I was gonna bring that one up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this isn't a hundred percent new, but the way that they're doing it like looks pretty pretty friggin' awesome. Yeah, there's actually two proof of concepts that you can use that are on the site itself. I posted in the chat here, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, just that, you know, there's a proof of concept that actually works. It's not just some white paper or anything. It's real. Um, it's also kind of scary, though. And I guess just uh, keep looking now. I don't know if we have a no script for CSS, but potentially. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Is uh, no script. Does it go after CSS? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. All righty. Uh, next one. Um, a couple of people have shared this, and I just kind of bring it up. I've never I've never used Steam before, but apparently there was a uh, RCE bone in Steam client for like 10 years. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, it's not surprising at all because I know they had one that affected their source engine that was, you know, it's the same or was like a 10 or 15 year vulnerability. Yeah, I think that's maybe the same one that we were talking about. It's like, uh, it's, it's on their protocol. It's about uh, like how they reconstruct UDP packets and um, there was like a heap overflow in there. So yeah, just brought that one up too because I don't have more to say on it though. It says 10 years though? What the? That's a decade, man. Yeah, control yeah. F, control F, uh, custom memory allocator, and that's all you need to know about that particular custom, me custom memory allocator, classic. <laughs> yeah, we, we can might we'll write our own string copy and mem copy and shit. We know what we're doing. My Steam, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, pretty. It's always it's always a grand thing when somebody writes their own version of it. That instead of using anything that's been constantly just developed and picked out for decades. Well, it makes you wonder about some of these other game clients and things like uh, EA has their own, some of the ones from like Ubisoft, and you know, to wonder what kind of other custom libraries or functions that they have 
and you know have they been testing it or you know is there a lingering vulnerability from 15 years ago yeah I'll do a whole show on that probably that someone actually... was telling me about uh the ea clients uh april fools had like xss in it the joke in the, did. In the origin client i can't remember Mark, was it not somebody from here i guess not it's uh it that is pretty funny i'll give him that that's a funny one oh yeah um all right then quickly we'll get into the fail of the week which i just put in here because i thought it was funny um somebody had a mirai variant and they just used some default credentials from mirai and their whole bot that was just popped it was a pretty big one right like yeah I yeah <laughs> top of the head with the melt what like the the melt command for uh mirai is no no what is it no i don't know that's why we, we need it right now just melt somebody's botnet for lols well i mean if, you, if you're looking and you see anything that looks like it might have mirai on it uh the password is root root so go for it that's hilarious excellent we could just use their mirai botnet for good for good yeah. change it to root tour um i, I don't think you can I know. Dan. I know. Hey, real quick. Uh, I know this is uh, one of the last uh, topics from show notes, but um, there's something else I wanted to bring up, but it slipped my fucking mind. So never mind. You would sell well, yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you uh, don't it, don't worry. Just uh, throw it in here. So yeah, um, the last like real topic we have here. I had, I had another one that was just like a good read. So. Um, you guys can check this one out too. It's a cool story about how someone figured out that they were actually being stingrayed. Um, so yeah, take a look at that later. Um, but yeah, let's get to the biggest uh, piece of news, news for the week, which is Microsoft acquires GitHub. We we actually touched on it um, on on Sunday, Toby from HR. Um, and we, I think we maybe like I don't know if we're the first podcast to actually say anything about it, but we were like alive on the air and we found like a very recent news story that had this. Microsoft actually had Botham instead of just speculating. Yeah, it's um, it's really, really scary. Um, I can't remember how many points we brought up about it on Sunday, but the scariest points to me is is now Microsoft controls the uh, ecosystems for Node.js, Go, Rust, like Python, or partly Python. Like they now, yeah. So the, yeah, I think that's the scariest thing is that, you know, NPM is based on GitHub stars. So that's based on Microsoft points now. I think uh, almost a thousand projects have moved to GitLab since yesterday. Yeah, their, their new signups have increased over tenfold in the last 24 hours. I think, it's, I think it was 3,000 an hour since the announcement. It's got the mass SVN migrate. I'm kind of curious to know what their kind of like their underlying game plan is because I know Microsoft was it a year or two ago acquired Canonical and now that they've acquired GitHub, you know they have a massive code base ownership now. They also, well, they also made some logging. interesting decisions with um, uh, Visual Studio integrating Git um, as well instead of Microsoft TFS being a direct competitor. So they went for the open. They added the open source solution a long time ago to Visual Studio, instead of the product they were selling. So that was kind of, I guess, a posturing at that point to 
maybe think about this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think what's there's, that's an interesting point. I don't remember exactly what Herman had found, but somebody was bringing a point about how um, GitHub wasn't blocked in China, and because it, it just houses so much code, so they can't block it. Um, and so there's things that now people are speculating the Chinese government could potentially try to censor by persuading Microsoft to uh, censor them. I think it'll be Microsoft's job to um, be a good corporation if that term exists. Um, like they have a responsibility now, like they always have. And I mean, I don't think the Chinese government has messed with them too much, but the more stuff that they acquire, the more responsibility they have to um, keep it democratic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point that I was I, that that article made, and, and I guess that I, I understand is that, I mean, Microsoft has not been necessarily not uh, like against doing some sort of censor or backdoor or whatever for whomever they might be in partnership with, um, which just makes it kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. It, it's like I could I could just shoot it down all day, but the reality is uh GitHub was a huge company um to begin with and uh we don't even know. Maybe they bowed to pressures that we don't even know about. Yeah. Well, GitHub as well, like I think a lot of like uh Faith said this a couple of weeks ago. Why like who chose GitHub to be the one? And um I think maybe it's due to that it was like this third party sort of not terrible software that um was available like it was it was like a like a nobody owned it kind of thing like well obviously github owned it but i mean like the, the, it was no huge corporation behind it so you could you know in open source faith um sort of choose that to be the where you host stuff which i guess leaves gitlab open now but um wasn't that like right after fresh meat like I seem to remember Fresh Meat, and then uh, there was one other one, and then it just SourceForge was in there. Ah, SourceForge. Yeah, SourceForge. That's it. And then uh, GitHub just came out of nowhere and just dominated. Was there an equivalent for SVN or CVS repositories? No, that's what sort of spurred Git. SourceForge, I guess, was the default for SVN. But um, there's also Atlassian Bitbucket, aka Shitbucket. Like, um, <laughs> it's like, do, do you guys use Mercurial ever? Like, versus Git? No. Only when I absolutely am like forced to by some obscure package or whatever I need. It's it's like, it's Git's like slow, obese, <laughs> like cousin. It's got like built in HTTP servers and like all kinds of weird shit in there for no reason. And like, right. if you, um, if you show the tags, I th I'm pretty sure you show the tags on the repo. They're just displayed in the reverse version, to, uh, reverse um, order to Git. So like Git will sort them one way, and then like Mercurial does it the other way. It's like, but Bitbucket is like, oh yeah, we we support Mercurial, and then they're like, oh, and now we do Git as well, and we can do both. But did they just go ahead and merge like the worst of both? Sounds <laughs> yeah, good. exactly. Um, yeah, but I mean, they, they have free, 
they've had free private hosting for a long time as well, which is one thing that GitHub hasn't had. Hasn't had. Um, what about only GitHub? recently like, it went down. Yeah, only recently the price went down on GitHub from well, maybe a couple of years ago now, but it used to be like eight bucks or something for like seven private repos, and now it's something like eight bucks for like unlimited private repos. But they hmm. changed their business model for a while, and uh, GitHub Enterprise I think is like ten grand for twenty seats. Off the top oh, of my yeah. head, the Enterprise uh, Edition. Yeah, that's in yeah. for the bug bunnies. Fun times. Yeah. There's actually, so one of the interesting things about um, the GitHub Enterprise Edition as well is there is, uh, it's written in Ruby, but the code is uh, encoded or it's, I guess you would say it's encrypted um, and it has a key. Um, and there was like a shared object that used to be around um, that would, that was a Ruby library that would do the decryption using this like key or whatever. And um, the actual- it's 64? Sorry, a sixty-four. No, not it's, it's actually a little bit better, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, but the key was something like, uh, "We know you're gonna find this key or something." Like, we're not gonna change it or something. You know, Congratulations, you cracked GitHub Enterprise or something. I don't know. It's some, some like joke, and I don't, I don't see that being in like Microsoft's humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, you, if you Google it, it'll be around. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the GitHub uh, Enterprise. Uh, I or whatever. I think Microsoft devs are actually bad for putting in Easter eggs now. Yeah, so, they, they do. Yeah, yeah they, they don't like fun. They're they're actually banned from doing it because apparently it could cause like some security risk or something. And it would look really bad at Microsoft if, the, if an Easter egg caused an RCE. Hey, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so for like the, for GitLab, if I remember right, unless I checked this, I have one on there. Um, it's free, unlimited, private repos. Uh, that's pretty. I mean, that's a good enough reason right there to use them. But that's just my opinion. So one <laughs> of the huge differences I found between um, deploying on deploying from uh, GitHub or GitHub Enterprise versus GitLab was that GitLab actually has a way more granular control of uh, of deployment keys. So you can assign one deployment key, like you can manage your, your deployment keys and then you can assign them to a series of repositories. With GitHub, you can only use one key per repository one time, um, which I guess makes things, you know, you need to manage things a little bit, uh, a little bit better, but it makes it a real pain in the ass for, no, for not, a lot of, uh, not a lot of benefit. Oh. Not a lot of benefit. Hey, What's up, gentlemen? What's up, Fred? Living the fucking dream, kids. Yes, yes, Fred. I'll have you know, I left the bar just for this. Uh-huh. Excellent, excellent. Yes, yes. That was very nice. Hmm. Echo, tell me echo. more. You got that. You got that. Fred. Should I find them? Yes. They would be helping me help. <laughs> so um, the price of GitHub as well, like looking at this, uh, like seven $7.5 billion. Like yeah, if I was they... those guys, I would just be like $7.5 billion, huh? Right. $7.5 B- 
billion dollars. Well, I wouldn't take it out of principle. Yeah, right. Give me the fucking money. Give me it. <laughs> Give me it. At least make it even eight. <laughs> yeah, why did they make it seven five? That seems kind of douchey, but they probably had to talk him down from eight. I'm sure there was like a bunch of lawyers just talking for like a long time in like the CEOs and stuff just didn't want anything like CTOs and that are just like just don't even involve me. Just tell me the number when you guys finished. Like the lawyers had to have their uh their shebang out. Well, was Snapchat was like five billion, right? Snapchat was five billion. That was wow. a year ago. No, Snapchat was four, I think. More than a year ago. Oh wow. Yeah. Maybe Yahoo was five. That was that was I think it was twenty fourteen actually that Facebook made an offer on Snapchat for a little over three, possibly four. I think the, the fun part about the GitHub acquisition particularly is that it's all stock. Yeah, and Microsoft's so stock went up a market share of like seven billion. Very different than a cash offer. Yeah. I mean, GitHub, GitHub is worth almost exactly the same as Litecoin or uh, Cardano and worth a little bit less than EOS token right now. I think on paper, GitHub was maybe two billion. Yeah, because their revenue was a hundred million in twenty seventeen. Yeah. I think it was. So you, you can have to multiply. It might be two billion. Yeah. So, like, and that's actually the, the the thing that Microsoft did was pretty smart. They offered a lot of stock <laughs> for um, it, it, stock is it's it's ephemeral, right? It's, it's a maybe. Um, stock comes with a lot of strings attached. Yeah. So all the employees that get have a their their offers will change. Their vesting will change. Um, and Microsoft gets a company. Um, Do you think, I think they will leave, leave leave it alone? Like uh, they left LinkedIn alone to be its own community? Its own platform? They get integrated Such into OneDrive. Such has been very like forward thinking about how he approaches open source and how he thinks about uh, development and uh, Linux in general. So I think they're going to leave it alone. So it'll definitely be uh, ingesting all of these fun uh, <laughs> These fun zero days that we drop on GitHub, but uh, yeah, you know, I think we'll leave it alone. But GitHub is doing it as well, right? I mean, GitHub sends me security alerts every day now about my repos. <laughs> I, I definitely like upload private repos that have whatever I'm working on first, and then like if I'm going to do like a presentation or something, I'll upload it that night before or whatever, and then make it public like during the presentation or at the end of the presentation or whatever. So, you know, if you take if you take a look at it from a stance of threat intelligence, though, um, that's an amazing source to search for vulnerabilities in popular code repos and all sorts of stuff. I mean, they're also getting the edge logs too, like they're getting the IP addresses that are hitting every single repo, uploading every yeah, single thing. That's semi important, right? Uh, Not to mention everybody's handshakes, like because you know the the pushing code with uh, key pairs, which yeah, they're probably reusing for SSH. I mean, and that's that's some of the issue that I had with it is like, you think about, all right, so Hotmail, uh, Skype, uh, LinkedIn, GitHub, all these things they, they now are intelligence oracles for. So it's, it's kind of, it's a weird place. Immediately Somebody, connect anyone's GitHub to their real identity with LinkedIn, just within Microsoft. Exactly. A lot of developers do that anyway. I do a lot of um, a lot of open source intelligence on developers 
using uh, GitHub. And a lot of people link their real identities while they use their real profile pictures. So within about two clicks, you've got them anyway. Wait, is that, um, so that's, is that still? It is, yeah. Oh, you're such a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Lolcow, what was that? Uh, remember that rootkit from uh, a couple of weeks ago that, that Skid totally ripped from some other guy? Uh yeah, um it was like it was like one yeah you forked it from fucking GitHub. Which one? Oh no, you didn't fork it. You just ripped it. You just posted it. Yeah. Well. It's lizard or dragon or something like that. I I seem to recall who it happening sometime. Who thinks GitHub wasn't doing this already? <laughs> no, no, that not not that one, Dan. There was an, there was like some Uber skid um who basically just cloned a repo, like create like deleted dots, meaning new repo, and just uploaded it again and um. Yeah, that guy's identity was like straight linked to his stuff. His, it, <laughs> it was like not, triple skin. Didn't he not change the uh, the code authors like in the? No, he account? did not. He didn't. Yeah. It was like it was like some clone module uh, rootkit, yeah. and you forgot to change like module author and shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, do you guys use the code search in GitHub often? I use it for finding uh, public keys, private keys. No, I would never do that. I am oh. You're right. Hard coded passwords. That's actually, that's actually one of the most annoying parts about everybody fleeing GitHub, is that now there's no central location where I can easily find all the private keys and all the all the off keys. That I, I, that's a bit of a, a, a reactionary. Like I don't think everybody has fleeing GitHub. Yeah. GitLab's actual traction it was zero, and it went to like ten. Like, well, um, tracking's off. I really no, do. It's not, it's not off, off, but I'm saying, like, by by scale, it went from almost nothing to something. Forget lab. So with that, um, the code search feature, like the other rootkit you're thinking of, Dan was um, uh, a net filter plugin that I'd written a blog post on. The guy didn't rename the variables, right? I recognized my own code in this other guy's thing. Oh, and, okay. and that was the same method that I like I copy pasted that into Google, like that line of code into Google. I'm like, hey, that's my function. And then um I did the same thing to the guy that Lokal found on one of his other repos. Um he had like this uh, ransomware Python demo thing, and I copy and pasted like some unique looking function name, um, and like just the whole line, put it into GitHub's like code search, hit search, and I'm like, oh, look, five other people, and this is the original repo. Like, that was one good thing I thought about, you know, f uh, about GitHub like that. Um, and now it's in Microsoft's hands. So, yep, I think it's it's kind of what everything for now, uh, you know, like it's it is what it is. But so, if they somebody did say, um, as well about uh, Microsoft using like AI to like some anti, you know, the movie Antitrust where they steal everyone's code to make their, uh, their operating system. Uh, yeah, it's like um, someone was saying that now Microsoft can, you know, make Windows finally good by stealing everyone else's code. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, they need, they need AI that works for that. So the amount of like stuff hates. Their AI just becomes. Right, really racist really quick. It does. I choose my head, it's not Dan. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so, so taking Emery's code, um, 
what about the vulnerabilities that are being posted, you know, Mimicats, the, the other things that are tools, but they're being branched and they're private repos. Do you believe Microsoft would use those to, to preemptively patch their own shit? Do you believe they should? Uh, I mean, like people hosting. Do, do, do you believe they should? Uh, a private mm -hmm. repo. Do you think that Microsoft should read that and use that? No. Blue team protecting the public. No. No. It's private no, for a reason. They will. But they they own all Mimikatz, by the way. I just want to put yeah. that out there. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, let's not pretend that they. Yeah, I think that's a, a prime example of what they will do. And frankly, again, from a blue team perspective, I think though, if you're going to be writing something, Mimi Cats, and you're going to be like you're using some user a day um, to to dump creds or whatever, like just sell it to Mark. No, it's fine. No, if you want to do Mimi Cats, just do it on GitLab, and then Google will own it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Google, I don't think Google's allowed to go into their subscribers' uh, no, servers, they, though. Well, they don't, they don't own GitLab yet. That was projection. That Here's they the will. Like, I mean, I know as well as you know that as soon as your shit leaves your computer, it's that person. Yeah. I don't think it's great on your computer. Uh, conception of privacy, and we've agreed to with our vendors, but there's fine print, period. Always. That is true. We may look for, we may searcher traffic for the yeah, purposes and, and, and of we, we always rear our heads we rear our heads and fucking aggie yep discover that we've been fooled by our vendors uh while we've never read the plan but if it leaves your computer it's not yours just think of it that way that's the garbage rule it is yeah well fire. the garbage rule is interesting because if i throw out enough uh if i throw out 100 points of identity and you use that to uh to do fraud, I mean, the garbage rule doesn't really apply anymore. What if you just throw a lot of garbage and it like yeah. accidentally takes them down? <laughs> Kidding, of course. But yeah, um, no, I, I think I think for all all the kind of shit stirring, um, honestly, there's probably not too much impact that we're gonna see from it. I would, I would I say for their mostly good. good. Yeah, hopefully. I'm hopeful. I, th I don't see there being any changes for at least two years. Well, that's the typical uh, fucking stance, too. Yeah. You, you give the, the 12 and the 16 and 18 months. Block. Yeah. Usual protections are there'll be, there'll be personnel changes. There'll, there'll be personnel changes at senior management. And then there'll be sort of policy changes. And then as, as it goes, you'll start seeing more integration with, with Microsoft's sort of ecosystem. Right, here's the deal. GitHub is profitable. And... Uh... They're doing a good thing. I, I, I think at this point, Microsoft is very cognizant of uh, interfering with that business and interfering with their message. So we may be I think they need, here, here. I think Microsoft needs to make that a lot more clear than they have. And, I think uh, they have. Back on. You see the new CEO? Uh, he I've had a seen. blog post saying he's not going to change the business. Yeah, mm. but that that's not getting echoed as loudly as move, move off, move to GitLab. Well, yeah. So, the echo chamber is not him; it's the internet. Is is this a better purchase than Minecraft? No, no. Minecraft <laughs> was the the best dumb purchase ever. If you guys remember where this, I think I've I think I've just come up where this whole plan came into motion. 
um, and it had to have been developers, 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 developers. Uh, I mean, look, look at Microsoft's current source of brace. No, oh, sorry. The last five years have been turning up the fire on the has been all Microsoft and developers hired, I don't know, 2,000 people to work on cloud infrastructure. Their development have scaled like 300%. Absolutely. That's why they did this. By the way, Windows doesn't suck. Yeah, I would agree with both those statements. I, I think it's a it's an obvious purchase, right? Like, and who's going to buy GitLab? Pretty sure it's probably Google. like Salesforce or somebody. No, you think Google? Google? Absolutely. GitLab's moving on to Google right now. You, you all GitLab. know horrible. GitLab is actually hosted on Azure. Yeah, but dude, yeah. think about so it. They're moving on to. They're moving on to Google, right? But so Google doesn't just, have. Their valuation just went through the fucking roof overnight. Well, of course, well, that's fine. It's amazing. Shit. But but think about think about the, the space, right? So right now we've got Azure with for code, GitHub now. We've got Amazon um, with what code commit. We've got yeah, Amazon GCP have their with what? What does GCP have? Yep, I'm hearing nothing. Well, they got they didn't want to be in that space actually. Now that you mentioned well, it. Going to that, that that is the space essentially. Right? Wait, there was also a uh, code. There was code.google.com for a while, and I think that it was SVN based. Yeah, it all died. Yeah. Um, so the, the main point is though that, that does not have a repository for their customers to use uh, in an effective or synergistic service, whereas both of their competitors do. Actually, isn't there a feature for dead repos on anything that's still hosted on code.google? As like an right. export yeah, to there GitHub is, there is. But but, yep. but hear me out. Again, we've got code commit on Amazon, GitHub Azure now. We've got integrations with platforms. Do DevOps, uh, full stack deployment, like all these fun terms, these great things that everyone's been talking about forever. Google's the only one that doesn't serve that. So if if Git if GitLab does get acquired. I'd be interested, but does anyone know what uh, Google use internally when for development? It, it's custom. Yeah, everything at Google is 100% custom. custom. So their, their entire version you, you control actually, is You actually never custom. actually drive, actually download code. You cut out there for a second, Frank. What did you say? It's fully remote for their code. It's good stuff. Well, yeah. All right. Um, so, do you guys want to just get into our or cut this a little bit earlier so we can get into the topic of the week? Let's do it. All right. I think it'll probably be for the better, just because we. I know we can talk to this a lot. Let's and, get paid. Hell yeah. yeah. Wait, you right. get paid? <clears throat> well, yeah. No, not yet. Right. That's still. <laughs> and that's what, why everyone's trying to get a job. Get paid. Over here. Yes. Okay. So, um, alrighty. I guess anybody who maybe um, was coming on here earlier and was going to watch about um, getting a job and may have left, I don't know, pull them back in, just <laughs> um, because I don't want people to, to miss out on some of the advice we might be able to give out to them. So what we've done over the past week um, is 
ask questions about or what people or we ask people what questions they had for people like us about getting a job. Um, now this could be jobs in, in tech or um, just actual specific uh, infosec jobs. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of Twitter shit talking about who, what, when, where is infosec, how you get a job, how you get into the field, etc. And uh, I think we should maybe just take some of this time to sort of dispel that and go through some of these questions that we got from our audience and just try to answer them. Um, so, not Dan, do you have any good openers? <laughs> um, since you've had one a couple of different times, of different questions that you kind of ask generally. Uh, do I have good openers? Hmm. Uh, I guess my my best advice is whatever you're into right now, even if you're not like looking for a job, uh, just keep it in the back of your mind that it's referenceable. Even if it's kind of black hat stuff that you're doing, you can <clears throat> you can refer to it as a white hat equivalent, and uh, like that's that's not irrelevant experience. Like I'm not advocating you go out and start a fucking botnet, but if you do, well. Mm, no, uh, <laughs> but, experienced with unauthorized admission of maybe, over a thousand computers. Exactly, yeah. or or yeah. maybe taking yeah. it just to the natural level of malware uh, analysis expert. I mean, everybody gets their start somewhere um, if they're passionate about computers, and so don't discount your experience, even if it's illegal. I guess I got to say, even even for the illegal stuff, it's don't discount it. Don't be malicious, but don't discount it either. It's transferable skills, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I would pig on that, not Dan. Uh, I would say, not, not back of your mind, but front of your mind. Keep the things you want to do in the front of your mind. Try to orient what you're doing to that. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us have a lot more freedom than we think, what we choose to do and what we can, uh, even in the basic IT field. Um, like you can flip that into IR pretty quickly. Um, Agreed. That's a, that's a pretty deep dark hole if you want it to be. So keep it in the front. Yeah. I agree. It's just you know the reality is the kid the kid uh, that are listening are not gonna put it in the front of their head. They don't get any yeah. foresight. They, they like that. <laughs> I, just, I know how I got here. That was from me. Same here. <laughs> well, hey, I, I think on the stream. I don't know you if you're just gonna ask this or not, but. How many uh do we have anybody that did not participate in uh various infosec related things growing up? Uh, that that was me from ninety five thousand at least. That's how I got here. Just messing around though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anybody that didn't though? Yeah, I, I have a weird background. College trained stooge. Yeah, I, I did a degree in ceramics. There you yeah, go. Yeah. How'd you, how does that work, right? No, it makes sense, right? You build this thing, it's perfected. Were you making, like, water pipes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, I get, all I get, when I mention that, I get loads of things. Like I, I think when I mentioned it in my article that I did for um, Unusual Journeys into InfoSec ages ago, um, I, I got, I think, 50 ghost mems, I think, in a day. Um, and I got, like, loads more on World Pottery Day. But, no, I, I started out in... Um, <laughs> I've always been doing tech, but I, I decided to go the art route. I don't know why. I just was quite good at it. And then when I left uni, I thought, I thought actually, I, I hate this. 
Um, so I actually ended up working in recruitment for a bit in InfoSec. Uh, this is back in like 2004. So yeah, I've I've come from a weird background, really. Yeah, that's awesome. though. Again, though, like for for those of us who, who aren't going to for some sort of cyber degree, I think just keeping keeping things you're interested in top of important. What I what I did was I found the thing. I made sure that I put that into my day-to-day -day work. That was either systems administration, desktop troubleshooting, on the Linux admin, and admin, DevOps. I just kept it top of mind. Yeah. You mean I'm, once you? Sorry, sorry. You mean once you were decided to get into money? I mean, I never decided money? to get into anything. Just always knew that if I was to do my job correctly, that I would have to do it securely. Interesting. Cool. Very true. It's not really interesting. It's it's like literally like <laughs> if so, somebody um, told me to set something up a certain way, I would evaluate it and say is that the right way to do it. So yeah, really. So I was just gonna say that like there's been a lot of discussion like on that uh like your uh, um Twitter recently about um infosec degrees and cybersecurity degrees now because I'm I'm sure we're like most people in here are probably too old to even have involved. Cybersec degrees a... are useless. How yeah, about? Like, and I'm only saying that because I'm looking at my intern right now. But the, th the thing is... Oh, like, wait. He's my the... employee. Sorry. I would just contribute to an open security. source project. I, I feel like that's the best way to get experience. Instead of just harassing GitHub for vulnerabilities, how about you contribute to a project? That's a really great way for an employer to notice you. And it's if you want to do something in security, absolutely. maybe contribute to a project on uh, GitHub that's relevant I, I will to say security. Though, I've, I've actually had really great luck with cybersecurity degrees thus far, only because they're based in CS and they flipped to, to cyber, but it depends on the college. So for, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go for college for cybersecurity. I would get a certificate. Oh, no, no. Can. I think that there is a oh yeah i get you i understand and there's actually a master's that follows on yeah and you can go to school forever <laughs> which has been great no you can but but the, the person i was lucky enough to find was some sort of weird crypto python wizard which cool. is a magnificent thing to have your deck of cards so before we kind of get more into our personal stories, we can tie them into the questions here, but maybe we should, I'll ask some of the questions that we have got and we can just try to go through them. Um, so the first one here is, what are some of the challenges um, that like face people who enter the tech industry or security industry? I guess like as people who work in security or are recruiters or are people who um, you know just know the field, I guess, what are you seeing are the biggest challenges right now that people should know about, to be realistic? Lack think of volume experience. Uh, lack of budget. No, that's not a problem. It's a problem well, it's plenty of places. It's, it's not a problem in the US. Ricky, I think cool. you were trying to say something. Yeah, I think the volume of people trying to get into the industry now. Yeah, I would say that, um, I would definitely say so, that, like, a lot of people that I'd interviewed in the past had very limited um, experience, and I'd ask 
like the one question I always asked when doing hiring was like, explain to me how cross-site request forgery works, like easy. And nobody has ever answered that correctly. No fucking way. Seriously? It's not oh, dude, Seriously. You would not believe. It's, no, it's not absolutely yeah. true. I've had the same experience. Oh boy. I'm so yeah. excited to get a job. <laughs> You're uh, to train other, other senior penetration testers on how cross-site request forgery works uh, recently. Um, these are people that have been pen testing for like 10 years. They still didn't understand one of the fundamentals of how web applications work, how cookies work. Yeah, I fumbled some of these questions too at some point. Uh, they're, they're easy questions to not get right if you even know about them. And then like the percentage of people that actually know the answers is so low to begin with that... Uh, yeah, it's. I, I, I blame the interviewers half the time as well. Like a lot of this is contextual, yeah? It's a, a solid example. Uh, I think well, anyone can walk in and explain the OWASP top 10. They can give you SQL injection, XSS, uh, CSRF, which is not OWASP, uh, IDOR, things like that. But actually walking through a real world example. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think. I think also if you add to that as well, it's, it's being able to con conceptually explain something in, uh, as well. Because uh, a lot of the job isn't just about, you know, uh, popping boxes and breaking shit. It's also about explaining to the, the customer or the business the problem itself, soft skills. You know, writing reports, about people I've interviewed that are great on paper, come across well face to face. You put a report in front of them and it's dreadful. Uh, and so soft skills, soft skills are, are as important as technical skills. In fact, in today they're just as important. Far more. Far more. Yeah. Frankly, I, I, I totally agree with that. But soft skills are the things that we've neglected. Yeah. We've I focused so hard on being these bonered up rock stars that no one has given a shit about how we communicate this up to people who can fix it. God yeah. Yes. yes. I think. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think that's, that's a, a huge point that a, that a lot of people just glaze over and they think that, oh, well, I don't need to, like, you know, learn how to write or learn how to talk to people or make friends. Like, I don't want to be hacking all day. And it's not realistic to do that because you have to know, you have to be able to, as everyone said here before, contextualize things as well as communicate that to people, to show them why. Yeah. You got to sell yourself. You got to sell that pen testing. You're a salesman of shit. You find problems and you sell solutions. Yeah. yeah. I think not Dan's not just Dan's uh, just completely uh, nailed it, right? So so a lot of people are trying to skip steps. Like, you know, how do you understand uh, uh, core problems if you don't understand network how networks work? How have, have you actually worked since this happened? Have you actually dealt with users, for example, on a, on a support desk, understand their challenges and build empathy? Because ultimately, that the higher up you go or the further down you go, you don't have those skills. That's going to restrict you further down the line as well. It depends um, on where you, you can't build a house. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, but but in, in, where in, if, in, if you are a junior mother and you know how XSS works, you will find a shop that needs help with that, and you could build from there. But, I, but again, there's plenty focus of people. On there's plenty of people who can do who can perform an XSS, XSS POC right, and they'll they'll do an alert box or a console log or something like that, and they'll yep. evade, like WAF filters and shit like that. But sure. then they have no absolutely no idea what to do with it. But and can they the, learn? And well, is there a company out there that needs their... Just XSS.com. They're really interested in that shit. Well, well like, I mean... Okay, say, oh, boy. <laughs> I, say I you have... Or, I'm saying there's... there's a right, but if, if you have, like, um, 
a limitation right on if you have a limitation on character on key on character space like say you've got i don't know 20 bytes and you've got to fit your payload into 20 bytes yep. and you don't know javascript what are you sure. going to do you're not going to work there <laughs> you're going to fail that's, yeah, and that's so fine. Then, what, what I'm saying is, we've got a skill gap. If you have somebody who's going to identify, period, you should build them. So, like, one thing I, what, I don't know what the stats are, but it's like 70,000 jobs with 10,000 fill or something of that magnitude. Um, and what, I'm, I'm feeling that pain myself. So, one thing I found uh, interviewing is just going back to actually, Farak just brought this up is the fundamentals that are skipped over by a lot of people, especially in hacking. Like they're they're into the scripts, they go from there, and they kind of they they lose all this uh, detail on admitting boxes and stuff. So, a, a lot of people can't answer the basic question like, what's the difference between TCP and UDP? How what port does ICMP run on? It's a trick question. It doesn't run on port. Wrong. Yeah, that's a, that's a viable answer, by the way. <laughs> but but so like these basic questions, what's the difference between TCP and UDP? Honestly, has been answered incorrectly when I've asked before. And I'll, I'll ask you this one thing though: like if you're looking for someone to come set up a baseline web app pen test, do you care about that? Yeah, of course. About if they don't know I mean, what a one, UDP package is. How are they no, going to no. exfil uh, of course they don't. proof of concept? You know what I mean? But if they, the, if they the big, the big all issue is, it Go depends ahead. on the it depends on the position. I, I would be more worried about that question. Uh, I, if it were, you know, it's an operator as opposed to uh, someone just doing penetration testing. Yeah. Uh, although a more understanding uh, how many types of how to actually fix SQL injection. But for anybody that's like a, a senior penetration tester, yeah, I, I do absolutely agree with you. Okay, yeah, so that's a good distinction yes. then. Senior versus junior is absolutely well, a good distinction. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about skill gaps, right? All the sure. senior versus are full. Guys, can you hear me? Okay. That way. We just rotate. Oh, we got yeah. you, Rick. Hey. Here, here's one I, I haven't heard anybody mention yet. Stay humble. Uh, if, if, if you think you're the biggest fish in the room, you're wrong. You're wrong. And uh, uh, here's another one. Um, in addition to staying humble, uh, you know, uh, if if a coworker shows you something that you haven't seen before, give um, credit. Introduces you, yeah. Uh, mentioned where you learned it from. There you go. Cite yep. your sources. Issues, issues yeah, I good. see. Here's my um, general rule, kids: like, aim to be the dumbest mother. You won't disappoint. As a rule. What are you saying? I, I, Sorry, you. guys. Is my connection shit? Um, I don't we can hear you. Your threshold voice might be a little low. Let's try uh, Steamroll, buddy. Just go right through it. All right, go I'll try. Um, so, look, my, my role as an InfoSec recruiter, the, the, I get contacted every single day by people trying to get into the industry. And where I see the big gaps is. People trying to break into the industry just do not know what skills they should be learning. And there's a massive, massive, people talk about skills shortage or skills gap. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not the entry level. That's the experience people. Um, right. People, people with lack of skills try to struggle to get into the industry. But 
people that are proactive, do a lot of self-learning, get involved in the community, they are the ones that find jobs. People that just do a degree and expect to get a job struggle. Well, they get so, jobs, but but it's that cookie cutter. Let's uh, do, do we have a screenshot of um, Malwaretech's uh, um, Discord that he posted on Twitter early this week? Or put it in Voices Voice. I can put it up. Okay, I'll, I'll find it before we talk about it, but it's it's some lols on that exact topic. Let me find. So okay, the next question in our in our uh, topics list here, which is goes to what you were saying, Ricky. Um, what are some of the skills that people should focus on building for both infosec and for tech jobs in general? We're saying things like basic stuff like TCP and UDP. Pack, oh, what's the difference between those packets there? Or what are you know certain classes of bugs that you will find? Not just even vulnerabilities like bugs in general. Like what are the race conditions, etc.? So with all of this, do you guys have any short list of stuff to tell the people in our chat now who might be listening who want to build these skills? What would you as a recruiter or as a senior person tell these people to learn? I think the most easiest thing someone can do is think about the job they want to work in and go and stop talking to people doing that job and learn those skills and make themselves relevant. I think that's good. I think another good thing to mention is build your own boxes, uh, experiment, especially with like Raspberry Pis and building like it's kind of like a meme now but building arch it's actually pretty hard to get arch working yeah uh, do it yeah, like it get it working that's, that's one idea. step further and say do linux from scratch or gen 2 stage zero one time just at least one time Agreed. like don't run it as your daily because you kill yourself but like, <laughs> understand what's it going on work yes. you can use vms it's fine yeah, um totally but- uh, I mean, here, here's something else that you may uh, want to consider doing is uh, patch the vulnerabilities that uh, you might be looking into or uh, ones that have recently just had CVEs. So if you are doing a bug bounty and they give you a bounty, offer remediation. Uh, do you know many times that I, I'll just see somebody want to just submit a report on a particular problem and that be the end of it? Being able to uh, remediate the problem to fix the issue is probably a, a pretty good uh, skill set to have if you're looking for employment. Um, so let me offer some insider uh, insight as to what our interview process and hiring was like uh, yeah. at Cisco Tech. Um, uh, so at where? Cisco Tech. So if you ever call the Cisco help desk, they have this this they have a special name for it. The Technical Assistance Center of the TAC, right? I'm getting some severe echo from somebody. Um, so once you get through like the the very basic, you know, the tier one, tier two, you get to the global help desk, the tier three, and that's what I was hiring for. Interviewing and hiring for, and we were hiring for the data center networking team. And so it was really, really intense networking. And uh, the very first question we would ask all of our interviewees was a very, very basic one, which is, describe in detail the process of what happens layers one through four when you ping google.com and you know there's a there's a very wide range of what's acceptable there but as long as you're answering in detail i think it's very acceptable but you would be incredibly surprised at the number of people that fail to explain very simple very rudimentary concepts like arp like um just simple 
ping request replies, just simple TCP SYNAC, those sorts of things, right? Uh, the, the number of people that couldn't explain the difference between TCP, UDP, and ICMP. Um, so, you know, like what Ricky and what Toby said earlier, where you have to think you know, very, you know, think in depth about the job that you're going after. If you're applying for a very intense job doing data center networking where you know more about layer two than just about anybody else on earth, and you can't explain ARP, did you really research the job? <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're applying to be a pen tester and you can't explain any vulnerabilities or exploits, um, did you research the job at all? I've seen so many people are des desperate just to get into the industry and, say, and they'll go after it or apply for lots and lots of jobs. Whereas I think focus on your interests and, and where your skills are. Yeah, it really depends on what you're hiring for. I think, I think there's a lot of uh, open positions out there that, that require less skills than we scope for. And I'm cognizant of that. I think one of the best things that I had done, and I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of like a mid-level pen tester. I wouldn't say I'm a senior or a junior. I've been in it for five years now. But one of the best things I did to, to really get started was I went to a conference like just once and you know I, I had I was an entry level in, in school you know I didn't know a whole lot and I went to there and th there are some instances where I knew absolutely zero about any of the things they're talking about it seemed like you know they were speaking Greek about all these esoteric things that I would never understand and then you talk with some of the speakers and you you look up some of the things that they were talking about later and then you just kind of start building that knowledge as well plus it helps get you into different areas of, oh, wow, that's actually really cool. That's something I can learn more about. No, that's yeah, true. I, th I think as well, like, um, there's, there's also been, I've, I've, like, I used to give out a, so when I was hiring for an OJS dev, um, I wrote, like, this 80-line web server that was a piece of shit. It didn't even run. And it was all in one file. And it, it like, listened on port 80. It had a SQL injection. had a... Local file included it had um, like an open proxy. It had like some other stuff, but then it also had uh, programming errors in there, like um, like a counter in a loop was a global, and some uh, string replace didn't actually work and stuff. And um, and I put it on uh, GitHub as a gist, and I'll give it to people, and I expected it to come back in a Git repository and all that kind of thing like in a git repository and and hopefully they picked up the security bugs and at least they picked up they would pick up the, pro, the programming bugs so i think it was like about 15 bugs nobody ever got all of them correctly like correct and found all of them which is fine only like three people like ever gave up to me as git repo one guy like ran it on his personal web host like the, for his own business he ran this vulnerable code like on a, on a different port on his like actual like work box and then like another guy um was like oh runs runs on port 80 so you run it with sudo and it's like whoa like and, and no. it was really hard to, <laughs> yeah just like just no. no yeah so these are the people that i didn't hire um and like one guy had like stack traces turned on on like you know publicly and stuff like that is all these little things that um, you would expect somebody who's going for a secure role to sort of take into account. But like a lot of them were so focused on getting like the templating string replace to work that they just missed like all of them, you know? So, so that can be a thing though. 
Go ahead, Frank. I, I'm just saying, do you, do you think that's something you could have fixed? Like uh, maybe if they're experimenting, uh, they're not necessarily being thoughtful. Right. Yeah. Did they um, think I've, that I've done it? If they did they think if they didn't get that working, they weren't going to get the job, and that's why they focused on it so much. Well, yeah, that, that was one thing. But what, like, so those the youngest person I hired um, was like eighteen, just out of high school, and he was probably one of the best guys that I hired because, like, I knew him through an IRC channel and a and a mutual friend, and compared to some of the guys who got paid more than him because they had experience and, and all this stuff, that guy was actually like one of the, one of the better programmers I've ever worked with. So it, I think that's an important point. Yeah. Like, you he know, was networking, eight. networking though, like that, that's a serious, like that's a serious help to get in. Yeah. That's, that's my actual only advice for anybody who wants to get in. Yeah, definitely. If you, well, if you want to go to a conference, get drunk with some really smart people and talk <laughs> yep. like on their level. Like if you're talking to a smart guy, like someone who you think is a smart guy, and you're able to keep up in conversation, it's like it's like a bonics, right? Like you're on the street level, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> you're to the other, like you know, keeping the holding it down, you know. And then, then yeah, it's like you got to be, yeah, you got to talk the talk, and then you got to be able to like be correct and follow through with it as well. But you know, then you join the gang. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, I have to bring up this other aspect. Of it. Um, so yeah, no, this is all really good points here, and I think that we can get a lot into more of the different skill aspects and stuff specifics later um, for the infosec questions, um, particulars that I have in the show notes. But let's uh, kind of quickly go over some of the do's and don'ts or suggestions you might have for actually going out and applying for jobs or making a resume. Because you can have all these skills, you can build them, you can say you have them, but what is the best way to sort of present that stuff and be honest? Because I know that a lot of us here may do exactly what the recruiter might say and say we have 15 years of goal laying experience even though it's not been out <laughs> that long or we have you know we have you know i don't know 10 years of node.js or, or any other thing that we might actually have and it's hard to quantify a lot of stuff especially when you have skills that are that are not professionally or vocationally honed like like me personally uh Stu, you said you're a ceramics major you know i studied psychology i've never taken a computer class before but I, when I was trying to apply for tech jobs, I'm like, how much Python do I actually know? Or how much, you know, JavaScript do I actually know? How much sysadmin do I actually know? I had done a lot of things. I've been able to gone through Linux from scratch. I've done all that kind of, you know, time trials of, of hacking stuff from the past and a lot of hardware, but it's hard to quantify. And I kind of want to just put it out there. What are the kind of do's and don'ts for presenting yourself in, uh, in this skills? I think I think one thing just to add really quickly on that is is um, if you have got proof of concepts and you have got work and you have you can showcase what you've done, provide examples that and link it in your CV um, so you've got you know tangible experience and you've got evidence to back it up um, because I think that helps stand out when you've got a decent proof of concept or you've got evidence of work or you've got a blog or you've got anything that kind of shows. A, your thought process. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that kind of stuff, the soft skills, the technical skills, 
and then it brings it all together. Uh, I, I think that really helps stand out. And, and the way you present that, you know, don't just go for standard CV templates. Try, try and be a bit creative um, because you're going to be in, in, in amongst the crowd um, if you're just applying through job sites or anything like that or through recruiters. Um, if you can get direct connections through like Twitter or anything like that, then, then that's great and strike up, strike up a conversation. And that, that would skip a couple of stages anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a great starting point because at least they give some demonstrable evidence of what you've done rather than just putting some you know, key skills in your, your CV. Right, totally. so to that point, I've got a couple of low effort, high impact things that I always recommend people do for their resume, for their CV or whatever. Um, these, these work really well. So number one, like Stu said, uh, if you've got a portfolio, like add that stuff. So if you've got some cool projects on GitHub, if you've built something, if you've got talks that you've delivered somewhere, uh, papers that you've written, definitely add those, add links out to those. Uh, if you're gonna put your blog on your resume, for the love of God, make sure it's up when you actually send the resume. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of people uh, put personal websites, and when I go, I got 404 or time at, timed out or something like that. So make sure it's up. Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. I check that. Well, they're defaced. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, other thing. Um, I'll fight you on that, actually. <laughs> it's a supplementary fact, right? It's well, okay. So if you if you take the time to put it, make sure it's working. Okay, so on a CV, if I submit a CV to like Ricky or Stu, and I give you a doc X, are you going to be more interested in somebody who gives you a well-formed PDF that may like you know? Like, do you actually look at yeah, how the CV is? Yeah, I'm going to be biased towards the guy that has a PDF that looks like it was generated by LaTeX. I'm more, yeah, LaTeX <laughs> is, is where I'm at, dude. Okay. If, if, you, so submit a, if you submit a sleek PDF that's obviously from LaTeX, I'm going to be like, this guy knows what's up. So what I have up, if you get it up and you have actual project work on your fucking resume, I don't care about your blog. So what I, what I did for mine real quick, I want to just share, because it's, it's the opposite of that. My when I did when I got my actual first tech job, my resume was just a telnet server that you could just see all my skills in in like old old like RFC Unix style uh, like type out. So but that's because you're very that's because it was a very creative thing that stuck out, right? Yeah. So use that trick again, kids. Yeah, definitely make yourself stick out. So the other thing I was going to say is um, where you have an opportunity to write a cover letter, always write the cover letter. Never oh, yeah. pass that up. 100% of the time, write the cover letter. Please don't use boring, bland, formal language, okay? Um, don't drop the F-bomb in your cover letter, but, uh, you know. <laughs> drop it. <laughs> but make yourself stand out. So I actually, um, I, I on one cover letter, I went on a fairly long-winded rant about why I hate document databases and why MongoDB is probably the worst thing that was ever invented. Uh, I got a call back and an offer, I will never uh, mostly because of the mostly because of the cover letter. <laughs> I think following up too with a thank you letter uh, after an yeah. interview is also yeah. really important. So I think I think more important than not is, is actually the contents of the resume. Focus on that. We can all get very stuck on the uh, I don't know inadequacies or misspellings or we, we can get very caught up on that, but. The fact of the fucking matter is, kids, is that there's people out there who want jobs or need jobs or actually don't fucking need a job that you need to hire. True. And those aren't going to be the people who give a shit if they're, they're blogging up yeah. or if they're fucking latex 
shit of the day. <laughs> now I will say that I just I just extended an offer to a guy who sent me um, a half page docx uh, resume because it was absolutely brilliant and killer and his experience was amazing. Um, I I wish I could tell you actually I can because he left now he was from DigitalOcean. Um, he was an absolutely brilliant engineer. Uh, when I started looking at his resume, his resume was like crap. It was it looked terrible. Checked zero of the boxes <laughs> I would look for, but but he had he he definitely uh could walk the walk, you know. So um, it's very contextual. You have to talk to yeah. people. We are all very different and we work in different ways, right? Uh as managers we operate differently, as technicians we operate differently. Figure it out, man. But I will say that's not normative. I wouldn't normally do that, but uh, but you was, did. But I did. <laughs> that wasn't I, I, normal. I normative, bro. <laughs> for me, for me, when I when I'm hiring, I, I look at a CV. I read it for probably maybe if it looks decent and and the skill sets are there, I, I'm picking up the phone within literally a minute of reading it uh, and speaking Have to that person because. You're a very I like that. Uh, do, do you know why? Because because if you pick up the phone and speak to someone, um, you can make a decision within sort of five, ten minutes whether you like that person. So soft skills again, uh, yeah. technical understanding, um, and and then you can make a really good judgment call. If you if if a call lasts more than ten minutes, uh, that uh, person's that coming to meet me. Um, if so not, a, then I'll a, give them a good feedback. That's a contextual read, right? That's just the yeah. all context. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, absolutely. Well, one thing that I've got is that my my CV I think is at five pages and I've cut Ooh. down as much as I can. Two, bro. Two. Yeah, two pages. Bro. Yeah, I, I, I know. I've I've cut out no, like, so much. Kill everything. Stuff. But the things the 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 things that I've done for like telco not for that important. like no, not that important. Not, like the two most recent pages and shit you done. Right. So like my LinkedIn is the last three roles. I think that's it. But like, and none of the consulting that I do is on there. None of the, like, I try and keep it like really short and then have a list of skills that I've got. And like, I'm struggling because like, I mean, I've been doing this, I've been in the industry. for. So I, I would say what you're most proud of, you put on there and that's it. And keep two pages, period. I'm you can put to be continued. You could put a to be continued on LinkedIn on uh, or on a, on a blog or something like that, but then just drive them to there so they can read up on it. So you can keep it to two pages and say, look, I've got all these other experience as well. If you want to read up on that, it's here, you know, and then, then you can drive them to that and then you can get them yeah. engaged. Yeah, in save, that way. save like the, the list of experience and stuff for your summary, right? So um, you go look at my LinkedIn, you look at my resume and I've got the whole breadth of my, I've done, and, you know, I've, I've been to the desert and doing deployed com. I've done fixed com. I've done it for blue chip fortune 100 companies. I've done it for startups, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I've got an abbreviated work history. And then obviously I point to my LinkedIn as well. Definitely use a summary. Summary is a summary is a great spot to, uh, I mean, if I want to read somebody's summary and if, if, if their summary doesn't interest me, if it, it's, it should be clear to me by their summary. The first kind of what they summary do. is your elevator pitch, right? right? The rest of it yeah, if, if I'm looking for a DevOps person and their summary says that they're clearly a red teamer, okay, I'll file that away for when I need that type of person. But I'm looking for a DevOps person today, right? So I'll just people need to people need to make clear what what they're doing and what their interests are and what they have to offer. Yeah, yeah good point. 
this is a problem. This is exactly the problem I have though, because like, uh, like I had an interview yesterday actually, um, for a role, but like, I know that Ricky, Ricky and I have spoken about this before, but like, I, you know, I can sit in a telco space as a network engineer, or I could go into a DevOps role, or I could be a programmer or a solutions architect or whatever. So it's you can like be whatever you want, to... dude. What do you want okay, to be? Okay. Okay. But which one of those makes the most money? Yeah, yeah, it's right. It's like, no, how, do I, how do I, how do I find, like, am I going to write a CV, funny. a different CV for every job? So yeah, yeah. Write a different CV for oh. every job. Yeah, actually, I actually, uh, I hear that being brought up in a, a pedantic or sarcastic way. You should write a job description or a CV for the job you're applying for. Yeah, totally I agree. Especially if it's something that you aspire to be. Yep. Now, maybe, maybe not. Like if the jobs are radically different, possibly. But that's also what I use the cover letter for. Well, I'm just saying, uh, your CV does not, it's not a one, one size fits all. That's right? true. Yeah. Uh, employers want to look for certain things. You should feed them certain things, right? This is a signal game. We're trying to get foot in the door. It's not a, uh, here I am, take me or leave me. I think there's just so many like different areas of InfoSec as well. And I think a lot of companies, um, might pigeonhole roles as well. Like if so, someone mentioned before, if they're looking for a DevOps, um, you hire the guy who says that he does DevOps, you know, but there might be somebody, you know, you file away the guy who might be better at DevOps, but isn't as interested in it, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a hard thing. It's, it's, I think also, I think a lot of people too hung up on CVs. That's the problem. I, I know it's a yardstick that we use, right? But yeah, 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 yeah. But, it, but it's right, it's, especially if you're going through the HR gate, you're screwed anyway. Um, you're not, uh, but you, if you, break, you break your CV for the job and you walk <sighs> it in. If you don't get in, you don't get in. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah. it is kind of like a, a getting past the HR gate, really. Yeah, and if, then... you're, if you're knocking on the front door, your odds are low. That's why you can't really uh, devalue personal connection. Hold, right? hold, sure. hold the fucking phone. Dude, like, you sit amongst a bunch of fucking hackers. And you're telling me your odds are low walking through the front door? Okay. That's the way to do it, right? I actually heard something got to drop That's exactly down. what you should do. Social <laughs> yeah. Are you saying yeah, that you walk up to the building with a front door? Well, okay, okay, well, so you no, don't, 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 don't bust the front door down. You go You go through a different entrance. It's not a different entrance. Go through the fucking front door. Figure out. So what, you, so what you're saying is that you take up smoke and go stand with the smokers and you say, hey, I forgot my pass. Can you swap me in? <laughs> the problem with that approach is you don't get a paycheck. You don't get a paycheck if you do it that way. That's the only issue. Hey, guys, guys, yeah. check it out. If you're applying for a job without knowing who you are applying to, you're doing it wrong. Advice I give to people looking to break into the industry that really need as much help as possible is just to go direct is yeah fine so re re reverse engineer the situation find out the company you're going to work for find out who the manager is and then demonstrate that skill set you have and what you have to offer and i think they'll have a lot bigger chance than 50 or 100 people applying for a role and then they're, ju they're just another number make yourself not a number so i have a, the next question that i have here which is we touched on with the uh jump to the front door and if you especially you are somebody who's been on the fringes as a hacker, but have not broken your way into the sort of uh, like actual field and um, not just done illegal things. What are what is what is both the 
importance and the danger of social engineering while job hunting because we all do it everybody has to do it to be able to effectively communicate and try to sell themselves a bit more but we can go really overboard where we have people who straight up lie about degrees and lie about other experience and you know we, we've done little soft things like say like make up a, a company that you started yourself that you could pretend that you you know you could use it as like the guide everyone does that yes but where's the line i am a ceo and cto there's embellishment then there's then there's flat out uh lying and, and i think sure. you, there's there's a, there's a fine line right um <laughs> i think a lot of people like would, to would, would that. Though, that, that, for for one that fine line and those lies are easily found right exactly that's what i say yeah. see through someone who says they've been a ceo for 10 years of the company or five years of the company with no experience very easy and also a question anybody search. who's a ceo who's applying for a position as a mid-level security engineer at my company I'm just yeah, easy. Easy. don't, don't no, lie it's too, just, it's too, too easy, easy. just don't lie i, I, I went for, do uh, I went for a position the, the, years the, ago at a um uh, a pretty big website like blogging website as a, a, a mid mid-level tech it was a while ago Friendster? Uh, no, no, no it was, <laughs> Actually, it was it was it was Lifehacker and Gizmodo, um, and I, I, there was they had the dev job open there a while ago, and I actually I applied for it, and they gave me like this six part test, and one of the um, questions was uh, write some PHP that uh, shuffles a deck of cards, draws five cards, and then checks to see if it's like a straight in poker, and so like I wrote this, uh, I, I answered all the questions, and then I wrote this like. Um, class for a, a general deck of cards, abstracted it to a standard deck of playing cards, then had like methods for like the poker stuff on, on and you know, did the whole thing. And they just got it and went like, nah, overqualified. Too much. You, you, we, <laughs> we, want a, we want a shitty programmer that we're going to pay this much money. You obviously have gone above and beyond and you're probably going to ask for too much money. And I don't know. Whether that, that's what it, it seemed like that was uh that was the sort of feedback they gave me. You gotta get creative. That's a that's a pretty taboo question, by the way. What do you think is a good salary range for uh, penetration testing, or uh, specifically what security roles? You know, what are the salary salary ranges? Solid. I would say name it, and the company will either confirm it or deny it. <laughs> There you yeah, go. I, I would say make right. up a make right. up a number in your head and um, yeah, say it. To make it up. You, you, you have a good it. idea, right? You, you know what you make. You know what your friends make. Uh, and uh, always go over that as well. And then raise it by twenty or thirty. Yeah. yeah. I would say have a room for education. Yeah, maybe have an idea in the back of your head, but talking about that during, in, especially a first interview, no, nah, it's not a good idea. I definitely think like when you when you're talking about money though, it's like. How much responsibility are you taking on with this role? So, for example, if you're doing like government pen testing, you, there's a there's a going rate for government pen tests per day, like on a day rate, right? Yeah. If you have a salary through a pen testing company, then you know there's there's an average salary for you know principal, senior, junior, whatever, and there's a, a model to to build up through that. But when you're doing you know some other things, it's like uh, so. Um, I was looking at a role with a cryptocurrency um, exchange and with that role, 
part of it was taking on the light, like being the head of security and taking on the liability of a crypto exchange. And so then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, now I need money. Yeah, it's like, you're going to have to pay me danger pay. So no, that, no, a lot of times you find that out way at, we, when it's but, too late. Yeah. Don't think about it that way, right? I, I think yeah. a people who think about things that way are excluding themselves from opportunity and be uh, their old school CISO archetypes. I dislike that line of thinking. I mean, you should be asking questions during an interview, right? So one of your questions should be, what does this job entail? Like, what are my roles and responsibilities? And then after that, you guys not, not typically would sync up a day or two later and talk about salary, I would think. Dude, not to answer, I'm 100% on, on point here. Actually, the interview is not their interview, it's yours. Yep. Right? right. So you ask the questions. And yeah. Feel free to flip the fucking tables, man. Yeah, it goes both ways. But the, th the thing is, you can ask questions in an interview, but what they tell you might be different from the real situation. So I think what, what sometimes happens, though, is during the uh, initial job screen, the recruiter, usually doing it not very technical, will ask, hey, what is your salary range? Just so that, that they know not to punch you from the entire pipeline. Actually, what you say then is, what do you pay? So my usual answer, salary, but it's like 7,000 words, so I just added the show notes. I just had a link. <laughs> I, I did I this actually today. I've, I've done this a couple times now. You don't answer that question. You ask what they pay. You, 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 you say, I am displeased with what you are paying, and I'll think about it, and then you move forward. There are a few websites as well that will tell you, like, oh, this company Rangers. pays this much money for this yeah, type Which of is all yeah. garbage. Glassdoor. Well. All right, Corey. Yeah, Glassdoor. Yeah, Glassdoor's all right for that. I mean, also, I think you've got to keep salary in your back pocket. The questions around salary towards the end, it's, it's, your, um, it's your negotiation tool, right? So exactly. if you give it away too early, you've given away your, your edge in that interview. You build the value, you build they want to make them want you, then name your price. If you're going to Sorry, yourself with the rest of the fucking world, you'll go nowhere. So just make sure that you are progressing. If you are, that's a good enough game for me. Okay? Now, if you're done line, you find out that you were making $100,000 less than your fucking uh, cohorts, then, then, then throw a fit. But that's never the case. I think, though, as well, like, often, if there's a role that is, like, more, like, a, a more senior role, um, but the, the role that's being offered is a little less senior. Like, you know, I'm willing to negotiate less responsibility, less money in some cases. Like if there's opportunity, if there's other, other benefits, if there's things like, it's okay to go like, mm, you know, normally I would, I want this much. Like, you know, when we're at, when you're at that point in the, in the conversation, like I want this much if you want my full skill set. but if you want me to just do like one, like if I'm doing an instant response, for example, that's like a one-off, one-time thing, I'm not going to go and charge what I'd normally charge for like something more. But you, know, you, you would never say what told you what they will pay, right? Sorry? You would never expose what you want until they've told you what they would pay, right? Well, I, I'd, I'd find out more details about what they want first and then, you know, how much they're willing to pay because if they're not willing, if they want to pay you like, 50 bucks a day to do like DFIR, like they can go to hell because my point, right? getting out of you, wouldn't, you wouldn't accept an offer until you understood what they were willing to pay. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then is when you say, I'm actually asking for this much. So yeah, the this, point of what I'm is, saying is you never expose what you're worth until they put their offer forth. 
That's debatable. If, if, if they ask you the question, what were you earning at your previous role or what are you currently earning now? And if you you're don't answer that, you're actually that, not obligated to answer that at all. Well, okay, maybe maybe that works in a, in a bigger market, but in Australia, they, they make one phone call, or they, they call your reference, they find out exactly how much money you are making immediately. If you're avoiding that, answering that question and trying to play hardball or whatever, they're, they're going to lose interest pretty quickly once they find out that, uh, that, that you don't want to you don't want to court their offer at all until you hear some kind of number that you can negotiate. Well, they already know yeah. exactly what you're being paid. Yeah. Level of experience matters here. If this is a beginner in America, job, I would say fuck you. <laughs> you you can also respond also, to that in a in a way that basically says, "Hey, uh, this is what I would expect for this role." You don't have to say what you made or anything like that. This is what I'd expect. I think for like for juniors, like for people breaking into the industry as well, like sometimes you need to take that shitty role, shitty pay experience, which I, like I did that. Yep. And. Yeah. You know, and I worked tech support for like a year until I abused the customer. I think I've told that story to Crazed one time, maybe. But um, it, it, it was like, you know, you go through that hard yards, it's shit. But then when you go to your, the next role you're going to, you say, you know, you can negotiate. I've got this experience now. I want more money than before. And then when you go to the next role, so on and so forth. And it gets to sort of a wall where you can't do that anymore. But generally, my rule of thumb for the last, you know, 10 years or so is always always take more money like every time you change role try it like don't go down in salary yeah it's about yep. the mobility well here if you need more let me know i'm hiring <laughs> okay i think we're, uh, we're kind of focusing our our own experiences a lot of us up a little bit more senior than maybe people that are looking to get into the industry and um and negotiating about salaries and stuff, as was just said, um, that might not really be a concern if you're just trying to get your foot in the door um, yeah. as an intern or a junior. That's um, a good point. I mean, as an uh, intern, they talked me up. So, Faith, you, um, you've worked with a lot of junior people um, who'd come on board uh, to sort of learn from you. Um, how, like, do you, like, of those, like, the sort of, numbers wise do you think most of those people uh went on in the industry to you know the, were the jobs that they took shitty and did they learn from you and then go on to become you know professionals or like is that a, the common theme or the, is it the other way around like yeah sort of yeah it's um once once they i i kind of uh I try to mentor people into understanding the business side of of what their bosses are actually doing for money with their skills um, so they can get an understanding of uh, if you're working as a penetration tester, for example, you it's a good idea to understand how much customers are paying per day for your time. Um, so in Australia, as an example, like a ballpark figure might be $2,000 a day for consultancy um, at a senior level. Uh, so you know that, uh, that, that your salary as a consultant, if they're making in theory two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollars a year off you, um, your salary is going to top out at about one hundred and fifty. Um, that's just the way it works. If you if you wanted to go into consulting for yourself, then sure you could make more than one hundred and fifty k a year, and you could, but you you couldn't really charge two thousand dollars a day the way that a big four or an international consultancy could charge. So understanding a little bit more of like what you're actually selling as a product, what the customer is paying and, um, and, 
and what the market what the market will bear um, helps you sort of put a put a, a better dollar value on your time per day and per hour, depending on the nature of the work that you're doing. And that's something that you really can't you can't really learn that outside of of the industry. Um, but it doesn't take long to learn once you're inside. It doesn't take a, a long time to understand what is the the business side of this. What's what's the value here? What's the product that we're selling? And it comes back to like we were saying, we were talking before about soft skills. Um, <clears throat> one of the most important things that I would be looking for in a in a junior, for example, I want to see how they can explain in layman's terms a very technical concept. So I might get them to explain how cross-site scripting works without using any technical words at all. Like the, the classic, uh, explain to me how uh, public key encryption works using Alice and Bob on a whiteboard. Um, and if people can, if, if a junior can abstract away without using too many technical terms, um, I, I can see them as being valuable as somebody that can explain to executives a highly technical concept using very, very simple everyday language. Um, but he would never be that trying person. to sell right like the, the product we're trying to sell is a penetration test and the the audience is 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 c-level executives they're only going to read like the first front page um, all the technical bullshit that's for the nerds but the front page is 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 a killer so if you can write that executive summary if you can summarize technical findings in a in a layman's terms that's that's a, a, an invaluable skill to have Absolutely. So, um, Pete, I wanted to touch on what you were saying before. So you were talking about like higher level, talking about people who do, you know, $2,000 a day consulting and senior level pen testing. But I think something that a lot of people have wanted to, to know is what are the different types of InfoSec jobs? Like what, like we have pen testing, you have application security specialists, you have people who might do malware analysis but I mean, or you know dfir but how i guess what what kinds of jobs are there actually and what kind of jobs do people just think exist because of the internet i guess that depends on where you work does it it really does depend work. like we we're talking about government jobs before government government pay scales for these types of roles are are a good thing to look into if you can understand what a what a senior secops guy in a government department gets paid if you yeah, add maybe 10 or 20 percent on top of that then you know what the what the uh private sector will pay um, i think um with the government stuff like uh a first like the first year for a sort of digital forensics type person on i think it's called el1 is the that level which is after the which is the general there's like the australian public servant stuff and then there's like the more technical roles and i think the el1 is around 90 to 110 at the first year and then increases thereafter which i think is a similar model so i think in the U is Stu, you could probably tell me or, or ricky that in, in the uk the longer you've been at a job you get paid more every year no matter what or something yeah there's yeah, like a, 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 a pay increase yeah um uh, it's a pain we yeah, typically so call it a cola. Yeah, we, we have, uh, I think it's, it's uh, so much above uh, inflation, which currently is about, what, 2% at the moment, maybe 1%. Yep. You know what the best so, way to pay raise is? Take his job. Learn a fucking skill and move. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is. It is. Uh, I, I think I see people get quite lucky. If you get a, if you get like a, a OSCP, or if you get your CISSP, or whatever it may be, whatever that's cert you may get, too. that's that skill. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we've got uh, but, a gap, right? The people who are moving into this are the ones who are taking the edge. Depends on where you. However, live. if you if you're st- if you're staying in the same job, it doesn't always translate that you get a massive pay rise. If you get a cert. You'll see a small increase. You'll always get a big increase. If you get your cert. You have to stay out for a certain period of time. Or pay, usually, companies will lock you into a contract to say if you leave within twelve months of getting a cert, you have to pay back the money you, for the course or whatever trainer put you on. But a lot of people will use those skills. They'll stay on for a bit, harvest them, and then they'll get like ten, twenty k more, or whatever it may be, when they move jobs. Yeah. And that's how you do it. You do it in chunks, right? The big, biggest pain crisis I see is someone moving from their first job to their second job. Yeah. Um, especially if they're like at a big four. I mean, I, I helped someone last year. Go from right. 65k to 90k. So yeah, the the job market that you're in uh, is huge. Like it was a huge determining factor for, especially when you start getting into pay ranges and what you're worth and all that. Like in the Bay, 150 is not unheard of. That's for a starting pay, that's even for normal, man. Yeah, exactly. Like a really it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Outside of the day, you drop that by 30% and you're in a normal range still. Uh, And I would say to anybody in that range, if you want to exceed that, you build a new skill set and you move on. Uh, I think a lot of us get caught in the trap of we're going to do this one thing forever. Uh, So one of the things that I've heard about the Bay and like Google and companies like that is that the kind of questions that you, like I don't know how true this is, but in some interviews, the like you're expected to go in there and solve like Bigo and like these other like uh, computer science problems that are not not necessarily related to um, you know infosec directly. That's their baseline, yeah. Totally, yeah. I mean, they ask what your GitHub is. That's like one of the first things they'll do is ask you what your GitHub is. This is for Google specifically. I've been through the process. They've they ask for your GitHub. They ask for references and they ask for basics. And, um, yeah. yeah, they ask those types of questions. But they'll all, definitely tackle, they'll all definitely tackle code, uh, system design, and system ownership questions from a security perspective. Sure, yeah. Dude, I've, I've like, never had to solve Big O ever in my life. Like, not, not the, <laughs> not the actual math, different like, thing you know. than most people used to, actually. So the whole Fang mentality is very much stuck in the valley. But Why? Do what you're good at. Absolutely. So we're talking about in the chat a little bit here about certs and stuff. Um, one of the questions from the audience uh, this past week is, what are the most useful certs in InfoSec? Um, and are OSCP and OSCE or others worth it? Yeah. OSCP. That's, yeah. that's the, that's, in Australia, at least, that's the bar that a lot of companies, at least pen testing, is now setting, which is a really what high bar to set. What's the bar? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a hard one. I think a few of us are actually in the middle of that right now. Um, it's uh, it's wait, 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 we talked about this like two Sundays ago. I think Faith, you were saying about um, when you get someone who's got an OSCP, what that means as like, hiring for a pen tester, what it actually means. Not like you know. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it enables like for me if I'm interviewing you as a potential pen tester, uh, it 
I don't have to go through this list of dumb questions like explain to me how crosshead scripting works, how basic SQL injection works. I can cut out a lot of that stuff because you've already been tested for it and you've already spent, obviously spent a lot of time and money on this. Um, so it cuts out a lot of the bullshit and we can go straight for like more interesting technical questions. So or we can focus on the about skills. Crosshead scripting? I would ask them maybe, I would just, for example, for the sake of completeness, I would say, explain to me the difference between reflected and stored cross-site scripting. And if they answer that correctly, I'd say, what's, what's DOM-based cross-site scripting? Right. And then if or they answer that correctly, then I'd just move on completely. Yeah, but you still stuff. touch it, I There's no walking away from the basics. Get an interview. If they, have a, if they have a GitHub and it's they've got like an XSS pen testing framework that they've written, then I might just skip that question entirely. <laughs> How do you verify those? Yeah, yeah, like in trial, what, what trial fire like, too. Like you can just fire their ass if they're not if they're lying. Like, if they lie through everything. I'm saying True. the inbound funnel is the one where you cut the shit out. Oh, yeah. Cow has already left. I was gonna say if you check their GitHub and they have a rootkit up there, then you know that they can. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> you know they can rip GitHubs. You know they can rip. They can rip Git repos. I like it. So yeah, I mean, just for for new newcomers though, like just don't lie. Like exactly. you can, you probably have caught. marketable skills. Yeah, don't get caught. Don't talk about stuff you can't talk about. Also, don't get caught. And okay. So one of the one thing that uh, I did as well, like I did my first presentation at a meetup in 2010, and uh, I put the slides on SlideShare, and ever since then I've done that, and like that's on my what's he, my LinkedIn or whatever, and yeah, it's got like screenshots and and photos of mm -hmm. hardware mm -hmm. that I've hacked and other shit like that, like you know. I, sort I of just want to say. One thing, if, unless you're finished or not finished. No, no. Right. So on, on the line of, or, or the topic of certain certificates, right? Uh, I think anybody can go get them. Uh, and by that, I mean, there are certificate farms that print these things out for people. Also, there are people that get them legitimately, and I appreciate that. And that's a great foot in the door, but I will never uh, resign or degrade my interview techniques for a certificate. It's just something I that might catch my eye, which makes it valuable, right? Yep. Uh, I, I actually, I consider the CISSP, talk about soft skills, and we like to lack the CISSP, but the CISSP is all about soft skills. It's an inch deep and a mile wide. Like, right. It's a management it. cert. It's not a tech okay. cert. It's a hold management cert. Hold on, hold on. Cert. Yes, Frack, I agree with you. It is a management <laughs> cert. But if you want so, to get it up or down as a technician, <laughs> fucking go get it. I, yeah, so like there was a guy that I've met speaking on illegitimate certs. There was um a guy that I've met that worked with a friend of mine who had he came here he he moved to Australia from India, and uh, he was working in a retail job and he had a double degree in retail. A double double. A double yeah a double Isn't degree it? in retail. I didn't know that that was a thing and um. Did he just take it twice by accident? Well, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch. Hold on, hold on. Why you think this yes is good or bad? I, look, I'm just gonna go out there and say I think that it's not true. <laughs> okay, but, that makes again, sense. I'm gonna throw this out there. Why is this yes be good or bad? I don't yeah, think it's, it's okay. So CSP is not. <clears throat> 
CSP is a bad cert if you're looking for a technical engineer because that's yeah, not absolutely. what it tests. If you're looking for a compliance manager, if you're looking for somebody that can manage your whole InfoSec program, CISP is an excellent cert because that's what it tests and covers. I, I if you're looking for somebody who's going to find and develop stuff, then, then you probably want to go for I disagree with you 500%. Oh, okay. Somebody's in a kitchen. Who's in a kitchen? Ricky, what are you making? Level set. It's, it's a bare basics of InfoSec with some other bullshit thrown in, but it does provide a common framework uh, as well as terminology on how we address things. So it's good for everyone. So here, here's the deal. Up or down in, that case, in that case, a sec plus is also valuable. Can't sure. I just said that. I don't Do think you guys, any is there anyone who doesn't have any sets? I don't. I don't have any certs. Literally, I don't have any. I don't have any that are that are active. I let. I've had three or four and let them all lapse. I have zero. That's one of those things where the certs don't necessarily make the person. Nope. Some places they'll pay for you to uh, go get them if you uh, apply for the job. And but but here's the deal. Like I've, I've actually nice. done the training for multiples and never taken the test. Yeah. 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 I think walking through uh, the terminology there is. Great, especially when you have to talk up to your management. Uh, me talking to a CISO with the terms from uh, the CISSP is invaluable. And my team, when they talk to me, most of them have their, their CISSPs just for funsies. And I'm like, why the fuck don't you have that thing? It's a piece of shit. But they also have the common terminology from it. Yeah, like I did uh, the study for like when I was like 18 for CCNA, and then I got a job that required that knowledge without actually getting the cert and never did it. And I've done like JNCA and some other stuff that was relevant to like, oh, look, now I can configure routers and do this part of networking and I don't have the paper to show it, but who cares? I don't care. If yeah, you don't have that, a cert. Like, I've used it. Like I've used it in the field. I've used it at work and that knowledge has been great, but I don't feel like the piece of paper at the end. Uh, work. I mean, work experience can substitute a certification. Um, if you have any experience that works as a sub for that it's fine like that you don't need a cert you do not need a cert to get into it or tech or however how, how, i would say a lot of people have the challenge that they don't have the experience and so they need to get a cert to get the experience so of course the Agreed. cert doesn't really count yeah, to get experience that. that's is that a cycle that keeps going on somehow there has to be a balance right get 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 totally. a Get some get some experience while you've got a degree is my best advice. Uh, so while you're, you're studying, if you are going down a degree route, get, get some experience and there's some transferable skills. That gives would, doesn't give you an edge, but it gives you that, some, gives you something. On on that line of thought, uh, Stu, I think certs are way more uh, bang for your buck versus a degree. Oh, of course, yes. I'll I actually probably get more value as well, actually. Much more value and, and real-life experience degrees do not. Yep. And you, you think anyone studying now, I mean, in three or four years' time, things are going to change. Absolutely. I think... Um, three or four weeks. Remember this. <laughs> you, you remember this from uh, when we did the, the, the Many Hats Club crossover, that, um, you know, you can, you can... Dan was saying earlier that, you know, you can do some sort of gray, grayest type stuff and, and transfer it into white hat skills. But do you, if you recall that we had that uh, that kid who came on and told us that he just totally owned someone's website randomly. 
<laughs> and it's like, yeah, openly on, openly on the chat, it was hilarious, and was just like, you know, this is completely illegal. Uh, uh, I, 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 I've recorded that small snippet just just to replace myself every now and again, just to laugh. Hilarious. <laughs> but like that, that was actually a thing where it's like, if he hadn't have been such a douche about it, like he probably that would be a transferable skill where he says, I understand. PHP sessions, I understand cookies, I understand this, without having to just go out and say, like, oh, yeah, I hacked some guy's website, lol. Like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> cool. awesome. I'll talk, talk about OPSEC as well, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we have a, we're going to be wrapping up in a, in a minute or two. Um, I had a couple of things to kind of share, but I wanted to ask you guys who are hiring managers here, um, just say one or two things that you just want would like to see from people who are coming to your um like who are coming and applying for jobs and name like one thing that you're sick of seeing if you could think of them I'll just say you're saying, like the wired and tired thing what what's that oh, come on. tell me you're old enough to remember wired and tired no mm -mm. oh my poor guys how so, old are you you don't want to call Number one, ability to make references. <laughs> yeah, I want some. I want some. Pop, I want some pop culture in my in my case. <laughs> so I'll go for, I'll go for hunger and energy. Period. Uh, those are the two things I look for always. Uh, whether you care and whether you want to know more. Hell yeah. I, I'd add. I'd add to that. Uh, aptitude and attitude. Uh, so. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think I think as well. Like, if you're taking a course, for example, or uh, maybe giving a course for some of the listeners, where you're teaching somebody C on Monday and reverse engineering uh, on Friday in Ida, <laughs> you're probably not doing um, enough to teach those people, and that sounds like pretty bullshit. So, I'd say a thought process is something that I'm looking for typically when interviewing and uh not the exact right answer and actually admitting you don't know the right answer is great mm -hmm. yeah i love that uh, thing he had said he had asked me what a kernel splitting attack was and i said i don't yeah. know be the dumbest yeah, person yeah. in the room <laughs> yeah be humble you think we, we should ask that question again you i'm gonna i'm gonna ask everyone here can anyone explain to me how a kernel splitting attack works well, I find your mom in the corner of uh, some other country. Things become things, okay? And then it's split. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was the best technical question I've ever been asked at an interview, and I got the, I got the answer correct, which is I don't know. Uh, but most yeah. people apparently can't. They just start, yeah, it's a fake question. It's a trick question. Trick question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rambling about well, the kernel splits when you do this and this and this, and that means that they start just they they assume there is a technical answer and um, it seems there's there's not answer. it seems not impress. <laughs> I, I, I assumed popcorn. Bonus <laughs> points if you actually find it and make a POC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. You get a new. Yeah, you should go back. You should go back and do that. Yeah. It's like you well, do, like... it didn't exist before, but here's kernel splitting 101. I just invented it. And it's got a fucking awesome logo as well. How do you do uh, channel takeovers on Fnet? That's like a pretty good question, right? <laughs> so, uh, hiring managers, people who do this kind of stuff, do you guys have any positions available and would you be willing to? Yes. 
food. Yes. Okay. Yes. How can the people here reach you? We can we can, yeah, we, can we can aggregate these things. Sorry, I meant to say aggregate them and put them in the show notes for tomorrow to put them out. Okay. Look, look, I legit have five positions over AppSec right now, uh, all the way through architect uh, for AppSec through senior to junior. So you can find me at XFRECX uh, on Twitter uh, or ask MG how to get a hold of me. Oh, yeah. Uh, four or five positions open, one in QA, one in UX, one in data engineering, a DevOps position, and probably something else going on. Hit me at 0 xfrac on Twitter or um, – Yeah, that's yeah we, need to talk. We, we really need to talk. All right. I love show notes. Yeah. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, I'll put a link to our careers page. Hell yeah. Anybody else? Uh, I, I was hiring, but I think uh, I might have filled that position. But uh, I'll, I'll double-check what we've got uh, open. But it will be UK. I think our US head's just filled, but I'll double-check. Just saying, I've always wanted to see London. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll double check uh, and come back to you guys. But yeah, just you can, anyway, you can reach me on, on Twitter anyway. I'm always there messing up people's notifications, so that's fine. <laughs> I awesome. think uh, Ricky okay. just dropped, but he's constantly advertising stuff in Australia on uh, on LinkedIn. So Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. okay. Another way to backdoor, as Ricky was talking about before, another this is what he does, is go to meetups, go to monthly security meetups in your city and just get yes. to know people. Uh, because some of the people that go to those meetups are recruiters and are talent scouts or Absolutely. companies. You mean most uh, of them? Yeah. At, le- at least I'm, half of them. I'm pretty sure yeah. I met them at Ruxcon or Ruxmon. Dafcon groups, any of it. Just go to our mall. Don't meet anyone at Defcon, Dan. Jesus. Oh, wait. Who's going to fucking Defcon? No, I meant Defcon yeah. groups, like the local ones, the local breakout yeah. groups. <laughs> those are actually. Yeah, you're going to find people recruiting. Uh, I've gotten two jobs from DefCon, so don't discount that shit. All right, we're going to too. Yeah. Hallway Con, nice. man, is the best. Yep. Yeah. Open well, as long as you put out source, source project. Source project. <laughs> Frank, you got to get a handle on that echo. Oh, uh, uh, that's not me. No, it's not you. It's not Frack. It's, it's Frack, which is phonetically one of the most challenging things in history. <laughs> Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, so good. So last, very last thing, we have our Sunday show. So maybe some people from here or new people might want to come and talk with us. But we'll be on Sunday, um, chatting about going a little bit deeper into um, tech job stuff. So we can kind of digest this info and maybe regroup on Sunday. Um, but for now, um, I'm posting this link in the chat here. Anybody who is a, a person who views this stream or participate in our podcast in some way, can put a small little blurb about themselves on our new page called Hire a Hacker. And so what we're trying to do is aggregate people that we know that we've been able to interact with and kind of put out their information in one sort of source and um, allow people who might stumble across this uh, podcast here um, to be able to kind of review the people who are you know, involved interacting with it. So if you do something like uh, contribute an article or, you know, make art or, you know, do something cool for us or with us, um, or come on voice if you're brave enough, 
um, you know, you can have a, uh, a spot here and we'll have uh, some of our top tier people looking at your information. So um, that's out there. You can hit us up on Twitter at uh, ThugCrowd if you want to submit something or get involved. And um, but yeah, does anybody have any last words before we get going? Cybersex Stu, uh, plug your stuff. Yeah, so uh, I tell you, I've got I actually got some good speakers coming up. Uh, you're welcome to come join us. Uh, so I've got um, I've got Freaky Clown, Jess Barker coming on. I've got uh, I mean, there's a whole range of stuff coming up. Actually, we've got some exciting talks coming up, and it's like 4 a.m. in the morning for me, so I'm catching a fly. But yeah, come come join us anytime. Uh, chat's always open. Uh, of course, you guys are always welcome to come join us for any talks we've got, or just to come have you know chats with us about anything really. So yeah, uh, lots coming up, and uh, uh, we've got our uh, hopefully got a, a con coming up this year as well. So we're going to try and do one U- uh, Europe and one US, but uh, I'll share that with you guys later anyway. Awesome, and that's the Many Hats Club, right? That is the Many Hats Club. Yeah, right on. Many Hats Club. That is it. Yes, yeah, so I should. I should. I should know that, shouldn't I? I mean, but it is late, <laughs> so early. Like I haven't been to bed yet, so I'm it's not probably going to go to bed either. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Red Bull's my life at the moment. So right on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. This was a really awesome discussion. I think that we definitely got a lot of actual good info out of people, and um, I hope that somebody here maybe gets a better idea of how they can actually go and get a job. Um, so yeah, hit us up on Twitter if you need. Any, if you have any questions, we can help you in some way. And if you want to participate in our Hire a Hacker program. But until then, we'll see you Sunday. And you can save all uh, future chats for that. So see you guys. Peace. Later, later. Banana. Yeah. <laughs>